I'd got a really nice sermon all written out and ready. And this morning as I was looking through it and praying about it, God said, no, this is what I want you to talk about. (laughs) So uh, I haven't got many notes. So I'm just going to go with what God's saying. Um, We're obviously this morning, most of you will know that we are taking an offering a gift for the building that we're looking at. And um, we are hoping that your your giving will encourage us as a leadership to take another step forward in the process of that building. The thing is, we haven't had a specific word from the Lord about this building. We haven't had a specific word for, from the Lord for any of the buildings we've looked at, really. Um, but so why, why do Neil and I feel so strongly about this building? We may not have had specific words, but we've had words that have encouraged us, and these are a few of them. So in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and I think it was um, Sarah Jones who bought this at our last encounter meeting, which happened before we knew about this building. Um, So this was a word that Sarah bought from Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6. The Lord said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Ammonites. Go to all the neighboring people in the Arabah, in the mountain, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give you to your father Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and to their descendants after them. You know, sometimes it's not the, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's not the par- parallels that God speaks to us from in the Bible, but it's principles that he brings out of scripture sometimes that encourages us. And um, one of the principles that comes out of this is that you've stayed too long at this mountain. And for us, the mountain is a building. And we've been at church for 40 years, and Henry will tell you better than me the previous buildings, but there's been a lot of places that the church has looked at and wandered around the mountain of buildings for long enough. The children of Israel have been 40 years wandering around this mountain in Horeb. And God said to them, it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And we've been wandering around for 40 years as a church looking for a place to call home. And it's time to move on. And I think that's, for me, that's one of the reasons that we are so um, encouraged by how this building has come to our knowledge. It didn't come up on the open market. It still isn't on the open market. Um, But we heard via somebody that this building was going to become available. And so we started to look at it. And uh, while we were looking at it, you know, I'm I'm praying along with Neil and others of the leaders, God, will you just order our steps in this? Will you direct us? Will you show us the way to go? Will you give us a word that we can stand on? And he hasn't given us a word that we can stand on. And it was interesting because the preacher I was going to bring to you was um, from Exodus chapter 3, where God tells Moses to go and 
release the Israelites from the promised land. He says, go to Pharaoh and tell my people, uh, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And uh, at the end of it, at the end of the section I was looking at, it says, um, and God says to Moses, I will be with you and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. Whoa, he's going to give him something to stand on. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this mountain. And I thought, what sort of sign is that? That's not a sign to stand on now. He's saying, when you've gone and done what I've told you to do, then I'll confirm it because you'll be back at this mountain worshipping me. I thought that's really interesting because we haven't had a word. And yet I believe God is taking us on this process to, to obtain this building. And maybe, just maybe, if it all goes through and we find ourselves with a building, God will confirm it to us then. Who knows? Just like he said he would to Moses. I don't know. But God spoke to me also. Uh, I was reading the book of Ezra uh, in my uh, normal reading through the Bible. I was reading the book of Ezra. And uh, Ezra referenced a prophet called Haggai. And uh, I hadn't looked at the book of Haggai for a long, long time. And so I I was uh, prompted to go and look at it. And the, the story of the book of Haggai is that the Israelites had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 odd years. Uh, God had uh, made a way for them to return to the promised land. Uh, but when they got back, they found that the place was desolate, that the Jerusalem city walls were broken down, the temple had been destroyed, and uh, God encouraged certain leaders to uh, Nehemiah to build the walls and uh, Haggai and Ezra to encourage the people to build the temple. And again, it was... It was um, principles, not parallels, that God started to speak to me through. One of the things the people said when they got back is, it isn't time. And basically what they were saying, maybe we should have stayed a little longer in Babylon and built our resources up so that when we come back, we've got enough to to do the job. It isn't time, they said. But God said through the prophet, it is time. This is the time. This is the moment. You're the people. The other problem was that the, uh, when they'd come back and started to do the rebuilding work, they'd had some real opposition. And um, although the, the, um, the king Cyrus, who'd given them the instructions to go back and rebuild, ha- had died, the, the, new, um, the new king in Assyria um, didn't know anything about it. Some people who were against uh, Ezra and the people rebuilding the, the, the temple um, started to complain back to the king. And the king stopped the work. He said, stop. So the message came from the king, stop the work. He can't do any more. Basically, the, the, these people had said that the Jewish people were rebels and would be rebuilding it to rebel against the king and a whole, whole host of stuff that were lies. But the building stopped, and it stopped for between about 13 or 16 years. And this is where Haggai comes in. He says, it's time to build. And they go back to the, to the king, and they say, 
look in the records, we were given permission to do this. And that's when the king then looks in the records and finds out, yes, previous king had said you can do it, you can go ahead. And so the rebuilding started. And three times during this process that they were going through, God encourages them and says, I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. And for me, what God has been doing with us, because I think what God's been doing with us over the last several weeks in in this sense of a a renewed sense of his presence and our, our, our renewed desire to worship and praise him, I feel that in some way, this is God saying to us, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. God tells them to build the house, not just so that they can have a nice temple and uh, show it off and, and, you know, boast about it. God says to them, I want you to build this house to bring honor and glory to my name. And for me, this is part of what this building represents. Part of us building a house, if you like, a kingdom, God's kingdom, that will bring honor and glory to his name. Our vision, certainly for Neil and I, our vision has been for a building, has never been just for a place for us to come and gather together to worship. That's part of it. It's just a small part of it. But we've always seen it as a hub, a center in the community where people come in and go out, where people are blessed and refreshed, where people come in and find salvation, where people come in and say, gosh, there's something about this place that's different. What is it? And we have the opportunity to share. Well, it's God. That's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference in our lives. That's what fills the atmosphere of this place. That's what makes the difference. So it's always been a place that brings honour and glory to God's name and blesses the community around. Yeah, some of the people had seen the old temple. Some of them were old enough to remember what the old temple looked like. It was a glorious place. It was overlaid with gold. It glinted in the sunlight. It was a magnificent place. And when they started to rebuild this new one, it wasn't quite as good. Didn't come up to the standards that they thought the old one was. But God says to them, the glory of this house will be greater than the glory of the former one. The glory of this house will be greater than the glory of the former ones. God was doing something, and although on the outside it didn't look much, what God was going to do through it was going to bring more glory and more honor to him than the previous temple had. And I think God, there's a a principle here that as we step out and trust him in faith, God will do more through us in the future than he has done in the past. And when you look back at the past of what's happened from from Bethany in this town, it's been really good. You know, God's done some great things. Before my time, there was a a relief aid to um, 
Serbia and Bulgaria. There was a, a shop on the high street, uh, just looking, where people could drop in, have coffee. There was a, a, a toy library, yeah, yeah, in, in Southdown. All sorts of stuff in, involving the, I think the, the, some of the um, firemen drivers drove the truck out to uh, Bulgaria and Serbia. You know, so this, it's not that the, Bethany hasn't done anything. It's done some great things for this town. And we have to honor those who have been working, you know, right from the beginning. And made Bethany what we enjoy today. Yes, people have worked hard. They've been faithful. They've honored God in what they've done. But I think God's saying to us, do you know what? I've got more for you. And the latter times are going to be greater than the former times. They didn't think they'd got the resources. But God said to them, the silver and the gold is mine. The silver and the gold is mine. What's he saying to them? I've got all the resources that you need to do what I've called you to do. The silver and the gold is mine. God would resource them. And although we're looking to you today to fund put funding into this project, ultimately it's not you we're looking to. It's God we're looking to because God will resource us. Whether it's money, people, whatever it might be, God will resources. And so I think today, for us as a church, coming together and responding, whether it's this week or you're going to think about it a bit more and, and uh, we, we're opening the offering uh, option up for next Sunday as well. But I think this is a little bit of a putting a a foundation stone down as to this is what we're going to stand on and believe God for. And God tells them to mark that day. Mark that day. God spoke to me from this verse in 1970, no, 1982. When mortgage rates were 15%, Silly. And we were buying a, a little masonette in Nottingham and we were struggling to pay the mortgage because the rates had gone up so much and I wasn't in a very highly paid job as motor mechanics weren't very highly paid back then. We were struggling. And month by month, God had helped us to meet our obligations, but it felt like we were just got our heads above water. You just think you're getting above water and you're down again. And it went on like that for several months. And then God challenged me about my own personal giving and was asking me to tithe, not on my um, pay packet, but on my full salary. And I'm thinking, God, I can't afford to live as it is. I'm struggling. And for two weeks, I struggled with God over this. And you know what? God won. <laughs> In the end, I said, okay, I will 
do as you've asked me to do. And he spoke to me from this verse. He said, Mark this day, this day that you choose to put me as the foundation of your life. Mark this day. From this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. About 10 days later, I saw an advertisement in the local newspaper for a job at a very prestigious BMW dealer. In fact, I noticed their advertising supporting the Harpenden Carnival. They're all over the place now. Sitna, BMW, Sitna, Audi, Sitna, whatever. But they were just a growing company back in the 1980s. They'd come from a little dingy workshop on the outskirts of Nottingham. They'd got themselves a bit of a showroom in the centre and then they built this lovely workshop which I went to work at in 1982. And my salary nearly doubled when I went to work for them. God blessed me. I was able to pay off uh, loans that I'd had from my mum and uh, start to actually save a little. And from that moment on, God blessed me. When I left the motor trade and went to work in teaching at a Christian school, I took a £3,000 a year cut in salary to do that. And uh, somebody gave me a desktop, um, a spreadsheet program for my new computer that we'd bought. And so I thought the best thing to do is to do something practical. I'll put the household accounts on it and I put in, you know, all sorts of things. I didn't put in holidays. I didn't put in buying clothes. I you know, none of those. And we were £32 a month short. A shortfall of £32 a month. And as I was looking at it, some of those feelings inside that I'd had years back when we were in debt started to well up inside me. And God said to me as I was looking at that spreadsheet program, who are you going to trust, the program or me? I wiped the program. And we went into debt twice over the, all the years I worked at the, the school. Once we went over by five pounds one month. Yes. And the other one we went over because our mortgage company took our payment out twice in one month. <laughs> which was so, so it wasn't our fault. Those are the only two times. God blessed me. And then I, we got made redundant. Some of you know the story. And we ended up moving down here. Jackie got a job at the King's School. And I got a job at a, uh, an, an enterprise in um, Milton Keynes. And uh, I, I was on a nine-month probation. And eight months in, they told me they were closing the enterprise down and I was going to be made redundant again. Twelve months, literally twelve months almost to the day, got made redundant again. And I'm going home in the car, coming out of Milton Keynes on that dual carriageway to the A5 and uh, stood, sat in a queue thinking about it. And uh, God reminded me. He said, from that day on, I will bless you. And there was no time limit on it. And it just gave me so much faith to believe that God was going to look after us. And he did. He has constantly looked after us. When we put our trust in him, he always comes through. God said to the, the people through Haggai, he said, it feels like you're putting money into pockets with holes. You think you've got... Half a barrel of, of um, grain, you know, flour, 
and you get there and you've got a quarter. You think you've got three quarts of a jar of oil and you've got half. It, you know, it, it, it seems to be just slipping through your fingers. He said, Mark this day. This day, I will bless you. So I felt that as we were coming today to do this gift towards the building, it was a little bit like the church putting a foundation stone down. And God was saying, Mark this day. This day I will bless you. And I didn't think that was just for the church. I think as you seek God to do what he tells you to do, so we're not going to tell you what to do, allow him to tell you what to do and how much to give or what. But as you put that foundation stone down, I believe God's saying to each one of us, mark this day, because from this day on, I want to bless you like you've never known it before.